This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the county result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing. But rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Five, four, three, two, one. Oh, great flick up by Alan Armstrong. Round of applause for Rob Britner uh, on guitar. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers for that. Uh, and I'll introduce the first most important guest, which is Nick Lee. Very kind of you. How are we doing, folks? All right. Round of applause for, for Nick Lee. Well, we're going to bring you on, Dave. We're going to give you a hero's welcome and everything. It's not like you've just won a fucking title or anything, is it? Who's still pissed from Sunday then? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's uh, who, who's, who's just about sobered up? Yeah. Who's seen a video of themselves running on the pitch and got very self-conscious about themselves? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The worst thing is, I got really drunk the other week and signed up for the Hatters Half Marathon. So, in about three months' time, I'm going to be that guy who died <laughs> during the Half Marathon. But my girlfriend thinks I'm going to die as well. Like, she, she's convinced, she's like, are you going to do some training? And she's just convinced that I'm going to... I, I, I say she thinks, I think it's hope. Anyway, <laughs> let's, get, let's get on with the show. Let's bring in the most real, most important person in the show. Bloody hell, Ross. Can't get the... Sound. We normally do this online, you see. That's why we can't do it like this. Can you, just, can you be our sound guy? You should do filthy uh, stuff yeah, on the internet, right, don't we, Ross? I can double as a sound guy. So, the man whom, without, we couldn't do the show. And believe me, we've tried. <laughs> and it was horrible. Give it up, everyone, for Russ Johnson! Thank you very much, thank you. There we go, we've got our roadie on the case. Uh, so, we are going to do... Well, we're going to chat with Dave, aren't we, obviously? We're going to do that 45 minutes. 40, 45 minutes. Um, then we're going to have a bit, of a, a bit of a drinks and toilet break where we'll do a raffle so you can win some free beer. So, that's something to look forward to. We're going to introduce our shirt pervert, Ben. <laughs> who um, knows far too much about shirts 
uh, to do talk about shirts and, and yeah it's what he does it's what he does so thank you for coming down Ben appreciate that um, then we'll have Q&A from the audience and then I'm sure Dave if you've not already signed loads of autographs and stuff which I think you have um, he'll probably do some more um, so there we go um, so yeah and we're also streaming live and we're going to record it and get all this out later so if you want to wave to the camera behind you you're you specifically you because you're right in front of me. Uh, <laughs> no you haven't <laughs> um, so yeah should we get our guest on? I might as well. Aren't we? Right. Introducing everybody, Dave <laughs> Connor. Cheers, Ross. Thank you. So, do us a favour, just test your mic because we're not very good at sound. Hello, 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 hello. It's a bit low. It's a bit, it's a bit low. Cheers, cheers, Bobby. There we go. Can you hear us at the back? Yes, we're getting thumbs up at the back, that's brilliant. Right, first things first, everyone's exhausted, probably no more, anyone more than you. How is Dave Challoner? Um, no, Dave Challoner's fine, really, really happy. Uh, I suppose in, unfortunately, um, you guys can um, probably enjoy it a little bit more. From our side of things, things move on quickly and um, I've met players yesterday and met players today and have to give unfortunate news, good news, um, and things move on really quickly and look towards look towards next season. Um, so as much as we'd love to bask in all the, the glory, unfortunately, um, professionalism-wise means we have to look forward very quickly. Hopefully, in a couple of weeks or a week's time, maybe get a chance to sit on a beach somewhere with a with a beer or two and and reflect what we've done. But for now, it's uh, back to business. Right, and I mean in the whole run-up because it has I mean everybody could probably agree here it's been a bit stressful for us as fans and it I would you know I think we can all agree to that has it has it been have you felt our stress feed, feeding through in the in, in like the matches and stuff have you felt that not really in the matches to be fair I think the support has been absolutely fantastic I think that you the the biggest thing around supporters and that's why I tried to get it sort of across since I came into the football club it's it's your football club and that will always be the case. Managers will come and go, players will come and go. The, the biggest time when the players need you is in adversity, when things aren't quite going your way. Yeah. It's really easy as a player to play when you're three and up with 10,000 people at your back. It's a little bit more difficult to play when there's 10,000 people at your back that are a little bit unsure yeah. when maybe you're 1-0 down. So um, in times when it has been like that, the support has been brilliant and the players then, I was just talking to them about sort of losing games, the games you lose don't then become that damaging um, in terms of where you are where you are mentally. Um, but I totally get where the support supporters are coming from. It's horrible. You have no control. I have a little bit of control. <laughs> the players have got all this control in terms of what they go and produce on the pitch. But they've been they've been brilliant. But, but I, got, I guess going back to the original question, what how are you feeling like in yourself? Are you like are you are you okay? Or have, you, have you got more grey hairs or what, you know what's going on with you? Ross, Ro more grey hairs <laughs> and, and a few more lines. Um, but I, I feel I feel great. I, I, I like to say that, that to to come in when I did um, and achieve what we have has been has been brilliant. Um, and the players take all the credit for that. Like I say, from from my side. Winning sort of promotions and getting out of this league was why why I came here. Um, probably when I first came in and visited, it would happen in maybe a different way, potentially through through the playoffs. So to have the run we've had and go up as champions, I know what it does for the football club. I know what it does for the the, the town, um, and I know what it does in terms of the owners' plans, in terms of where where the club can go now. So that, that's how Dave Challenger is. How's Jeff Stelling? 
You know what? Jeff is... Um, Jeff's really, really a, a great fella. A great, great fella. Um, I've nothing but good things to say about Jeff. And um, he'll... He'll take a little bit of sticking things, but for, for, for me and, and my family, he was brilliant with us, and he's the, the one person there in terms of off the pitch, if you like, that is sends messages, good luck messages, always asks how we are. Um, he obviously named one of his cats after, after me, which was a great <laughs> honour. Um, but he's a, a top, top guy, not just on the, the, the TV, everyone knows Jeff, but, but away from that, he's absolutely brilliant. What he does, he's like you guys. He, he loves Hartlepool United Football Club, and he that is in his blood, just as it is Stockport County in, in, in your guys' blood. Um, so I totally get where he's coming from. He's protective of that, as you all are, and as we all would be when there's something there that we have a real association for and, and love, to be fair. Because I got to say, when, when it, when, obviously when the move came about, and Jeff Stein was adamant that you were going nowhere, and then, but anyone would do the same. You know, if, if that was us getting a manager poached, we'd be exactly the same, saying, oh, he's, he's going nowhere. But I think st most people have left him alone now, but there's still like two or three people just giving him stick on every tweet, <laughs> taking it upon themselves to just ruin his life. Yeah, there is, and he's great. And listen, Jeff, um, Jeff completely understands and knows why I made the move that I did. Um, He's, again, after I'd left Hartlepool, we've had conversations and he was in a, a similar, uh, similar position in terms of his career and moving, and moving forward and things like that. And ultimately, you've got to make, make decisions that sometimes can be deemed a little bit selfish and, and suit yourself and suit your family. But that, again, is completely understandable. Um, and I know, I know where people are coming from. And I know there'll still be people who won't like it. Unfortunately, as a, as a football manager, you do have to be really thick-skinned and understand that regardless of what happens that worst case best case scenario is that 50 percent of people like you 50 percent of people don't 50 percent of people agree with the decisions you make and 50 percent won't and that's uh, the unfortunate nature of the job that's we, we, we wouldn't cope would we as football managers would we us we, no, no football manager of the game is enough for me <laughs> um so the, the team that you inherited then from uh, simon rusk everyone um, we call him Steve Rusk, well, someone, someone most people do. Um, the team that you inherited then, how did you get them performing? Because they were, and we, can, we could see the change in philosophy right away, but they were still the same tools in the box. What did you do on like day one, day three, day five to get them playing like they were? So, straight away going in, um, we have, a, a, I suppose, a philosophy and identity of what we want the, t the team and the players to do. You first have to find out whether they can do it. So, I, my teams, I desire and want them to be high intensity in terms of out of possession uh, and in possession. I think the football club demands that. It was the same similar as I went to Hartlepool. You've got a, a fan base of supporters that want to get behind the team. So in my opinion, playing at home when you've got 10,000 people in there, you have to be on the front foot and you have to get after teams. Um, so you first need to look at whether the players can do that. I, I could see within a day that the players, the players were able to do that. We wouldn't get the well, we got the ultimate test if you like on game number one when you go into a team that are flying high in league one and you go in i'm going to go and try and press with this team that could have been disastrous that could have been as much as people said it was a, a free hit going to bolton with five thousand of our fans watching and getting embarrassed wouldn't have been a free hit no. by any stretch so we needed to that was a good test for us that gave the players reinforcement straight away they could, they could do it they could do it at a higher level um and they got constant reinforcement from that from from getting positive results um it then just becomes a a, a a sort of case of 
ramping that up session by session. That, as you can, you can see with the group we've got, they are a highly motivated group and want to be challenged. A lot of them have played higher. A lot of them have won things before, won promotions. Um, and we just need them to buy in to what we were, what we were selling. And they did that in a, in a flash. And they've driven the standards. They've taken it on. We've given them a framework in terms of what we want. There aren't many occasions when I've had to give them it really in terms of what we've asked of them. They know when they've lowered the standards, which has been on very, very few occasions. And, and, and we know now that we're going into a league where we certainly can compete, but we'll need to get better at what we do in both aspects. And, and we're driven to do that. Yeah, how, how would you say that the National League differs in terms of League Two in playing style? Because like you say, we could see it on game one, your philosophy is high press, like you, know, like you said, counter press that. Did, did you have to mould them and then are you going to have to do further moulding to fit your philosophy into League 2 or is it like is it going to be straightforward for you? Yeah, it'll be a step up on what we've done. So you see in League 2, the similar to the National League, you need to look at the top, the top seven in, in League 2. You've probably got Forest Green, Exeter, who have gone up, who are footballing teams. Um, Bristol Rovers, probably a, a good mix of both. Northampton, uh, Mansfield and Port Vale, probably a little bit, a little bit more direct than Swindon are a footballing team, but all with different, um, different philosophies out of possession in terms of how they go about it. We've just got to be a better version of us. Um, and the difference isn't massive. I, I, I truly believe that with the, with the squad we have, with no additions, that we could be competitive and push for playoff places in League Two. I think with some really good additions, we want to be pushing and, and have ambition beyond that. Um, it will take us to be better. You will get punished um, slightly more for mistakes. And on the flip side, if you're not as clinical as maybe what we should be, then you'll not win games. Um, that'll be the that's that's the I suppose the the infinite difference, but it isn't huge. Yeah. Okay. So jumping back a couple of weeks to before the Bolton game, because we don't do things chronologically on here. That, that, that's fa far too professional for us. So uh, going, back, going back to when you got the job, then how did the move come about at first? And was it a, matter, a case of you applying or were you headhunted? No, I was, I was, I was, I was approached and asked about, yeah. asked about the job um, in, terms of, in terms of where I was at. Um, I was, like I say, settled where I was at, at Hartlepool. Um, but straight away when my agent was, was asked, um, was I interested then? For me, there was always going to be, uh, be, be an attraction. I, I felt like I said at the time, uh, logistics for me being back at home was huge. Uh, a football club that everyone knows what the ambition and, and, and what, um, what the, the owner has come in and wants to, to do. The infrastructure that's set up um, in place. Um, and I felt it gave me every chance to develop as a coach manager um, and not be not almost have a, as a, a glass ceiling in terms of where, where we can go as, as a club. Um, that's proven to be the case so far. Um, once, that, once that happened, it then became um, obvious very, very quickly that the move was, was going to happen. And it, was, it happened in probably a, a day, just over, just over a day. It was really quick, um, which for some people, like I say, at Hartlepool was, was a... a a sting, if you like, which I totally, I totally get. Um, but for me, it was, it was, it was a brilliant move and one that's worked out really well up to now. Yeah, should, should we take a vote on that? Whether it's going all right? <laughs> <laughs> should show of hands or claps? claps yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So we're just going to dance around these questions because I tried to put in some sort of order, but it wasn't working. And it was a bit late last night. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a football and tactics pervert. So we've got shirt pervert, tactics pervert. Which pervert are you, Nick? Just, it's just a pervert. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I believe I, I, I don't. I didn't really notice this time, but you were, you, you like your four-three-three at Fylde, and went back to three at the back at Hartlepool, and we play three at the back now. Which do you prefer? I'm, I don't really prefer a, a, a specific system. I'm, um, systems for me are about in possession, out of possession. Um, so even playing a 4-3-3, a um, it becomes about overload. So if we, without going into it too deeply, if we... Uh, no, 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 go on. If we're a 4-3-3 if we're a four, three, three, and we're... I'll do it with, with, with the system we've got. If we've, we're playing a 3-5-2 and we've got three at the back and a team are playing three... Uh, three players up front, all of a sudden it becomes 3v3. We've got to try and make that 4v3. So we might do it by rolling a full-back round and shifting round to the left. We might do it by going round to the right, or we've done it at times where Ash is our centre when we put him into into sort of a midfield area and drop both full-backs down. So you try and create overloads all over the pitch. Um, so f for me, it's about in-possession, out-possession. So how can we go and press against the team high up to win the ball means we've got to probably have, at worst one less than what they've got playing um, and go and, be, go and be positive and go, go and commit to doing that. If you don't, you'll get passed pass round, especially as you go through the, through the leagues. So it's more just around overloads for me rather than systems um, and we want to try and be on the front foot. That's why you'll have seen, although like Crozzi is a, a defensive midfield player and, and we almost play with a flat three, they're the ones that set the tone for it in terms of being on the front foot. Our defenders then are high up the pitch. There's risk involved in that because I've been there. It's not very nice being stood on the halfway line knowing you've got 50 yards of space in behind you with someone that can run. You don't want to get in races. Um, so it's more than, like I say, more than systems. It's more around overloads in and out of possession. So is it more, well, not more about, but it, there's a lot on fitness then, isn't there, and, and stamina. So does that, if you if you start off like that in, the, in a league and, and carry on all the way through to January, February, March, is there an element of risk that you overload the players? I know, you, I know you've got a lot of depth in our squad, haven't we, is it, but is that a risk that you, that you take into consideration? No, we, we, we try and minimise that risk by everything we do on a day-to-day -day basis is around load. So we're, we know exactly what the players do and what their tolerance is in terms of match load. So with Jake, who's coming with me um, in terms of the, the S&C type, type of stuff, constantly we're monitoring what the players do. So they wear GPS vests every day. Um, we will plan our sessions so we know that, for example, on a, a Monday, um, with it being a match day plus two, it'll be a shorter session for the lads who have played. So they might look to do three kilometres of, of, of distance and 300 or 100 metres high intensity running. Tuesday in a normal week will become uh, an, extent, uh, sorry, an extensive day with bigger areas because we need to cover bigger distance. Wednesday would be off. Thursday becomes intensive where you're still looking to get lots of Axel D cells but over less distance. And then Friday becomes a, 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 a prep day, if you like, for, for the Saturday. So that whole week from Sunday to the following Sunday is mapped out in terms of where we want to be and we have to get the players will have a, a again in the detail a sort of acute load and a chronic load which they can maintain through the course of the season we control that so they get 
between 0.9 and 1.1 of that. So we know exactly what every single one of them has done, which then means we can control your muscle type injuries. We can't control um, contact injuries, they're part and parcel. So as best as possible, we use scientific stuff to minimise that risk. There's always going to be anomalies in terms of, we look at, I suppose, historic data around what, what how many games players have played the previous season, what rest they've had, all those types of things. But as much as we can, we try and control it. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, everybody just take stock of that. All what Charlie's just said then, can you imagine what, three, four years ago, we were training twice a week on a th Thursday and a Tuesday, and now we've got like all this technology and all this uh, vacuum. It's really, really pleasing to see. So you've kind of got this, you've kind of, oh, yes. nice I don't know if that was for you or for Ross. It was for Charlie, it wasn't for me. Um, so obviously, yeah, you've kind of got this, aside from your time playing with us at, a at what was a tough time for the club, obviously you were filed, you beat us several times, we were filed, beat us with Hartlepool, so the question I suppose is, why do you hate us? <laughs> I was, I was uh, coming to Wesley Park, to be fair, as a... An opposition manager, um, I was very successful. Um, it's it's a weird one going back to your, your former clubs because you'll always listen, regardless of what happens. You, and you got you have fond memories, fond memories of time, fond memories of um, teammates that you had here, and all those sorts of things. But you always want to go back and not justify yourself, but you always want to do well, regardless. As much as um, you, you you think you, you go back there and you hope to get a, a nice reception, you also want to win. All the time, you want to win. So it was, it was good. I had, listen, I had no issues at all with um, with the football club, my time at the football club. But as you say, it was a time when, um, probably similar to now, in the completely opposite way, the football club was going through a huge change. A, a huge change. The, the football club was in the championship. As it is now, there's miles better infrastructure in place um, and a better opportunity in place. Now we're again, we were a National League team, now we're a League 2 team, if you like, than what there was back then. That shows how far it's moved, and it's, it's, it's due to Mark Stock coming in and having a vision of where he wants the football club to be, and it gives us a, a real, real chance. Well, uh, well you kind of, kind of touched on then your playing career with us. What was Carlton like? Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> it's, again, Strange one, really, because again, as a, as a player, um, and, and was difficult in the fact that he, he was sort of player manager. What he did have, um, and I suppose if you if you take uh, and you, you take things off different people, what he did have was a really really good backroom team. So Kevin Richardson was was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, Colin Murphy was there, wealth of knowledge. Um, Prudz was there. Um, Bees was there. He had really good people around him, so he could carry on playing um, and be the extrovert that he was in terms of a character allowed and all those sort of things. And the the rest of the staff sort of kept him in check, really, or kept him in check as, as much as possible. They were really, um, really solid pieces. Again, at the time, probably a similar thing as what I was told when I when I went to, went to Hartlepool and the fact that people say you're hiding to nothing. The way the, the way the club was. It lost players that have been at the football club for a long time that had legendary status. It then becomes a difficult one. Um, again, more to recent times, it becomes a different one for Simon coming in when Jim Jim is, leaves the club. Um, you have to get over things, and sometimes it's harder to get over things than um, than other times. One thing that helps you get over things quicker is success, and we didn't have 
success at those two times, which makes it really tough. So, being from Chester, because that's what Wikipedia says, and it's what was the Wikipedia's the truth. Was it? How, how did you feel getting one over on Wrexham? Yeah, I was. I was born in Chester. Um, are you a Chester fan or are you a Liverpool? Or? Oh, are you a oh, Liverpool fan? Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> no, um, so I've lived around the area all my, all my life. Um, Chester, Chester, Wrexham. There's obviously a rivalry there. Yeah, Wrexham's yeah. really close. I'm only 25 minutes away. Um, again, it's a similar sort of thing there. When you want to go there, when you go there, you you want to win. And I know, I know, um, I know quite a few Wrexham fans. Um, so the two visits there, playing wise, weren't ideal. But I suppose we won the war. Yeah, like, yeah. Which is uh, was really pleasing. Um, they they put an unbelievable one together. And in any other season, um, well, either way, in any other season, we'd have been champions four weeks ago. Or in any other season, they'd have been champions because of the run they put together. Thankfully, we've got over the line and we can look at, at, at them sort of um, and the other teams that are in the playoffs um, go through horrible emotion um, to win one more place to join us in the football league. Are you aware from a, well, from a fan's perspective how much shit we're getting online from Wrexham fans? That's, that's always, that's always going to be the it's case. Because you personally will, so... Well, just us. <laughs> that's always going to be the case. Because, again, football is a, a game that, and that brings out the best and the worst in us. Um, and we all want to win. Yeah. We all want to be successful. And they, they'll know exactly the same, that they've put a run together that in normal circumstances would have won them the league they've again their club similar to ours has been transformed in the last six months by um, investment from obviously two hollywood stars who have been massive for them they've been in this league i think 14 15 years yeah, is it? Yeah. something like that um a huge amount of time uh, and a club of their size as could be the case in the argument with chesterfield and notts county and all deserve to be football league clubs the unfortunate nature of this league means that it's brutal to get out and it's, it's really, really tough. Um, and with that in mind, there's always going to be a little bit of, um, I wouldn't say jealousy, but a little bit of, um, we're not happy with you going up, so we're going to give you a bit of stick. Like I say, I think you've got to take it, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. It'll be worth it when Solihull win the playoffs, though, innit, folks? <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we definitely took it, especially at the 3-0 uh, away in that, in that way. That was, that was tough to take. Um, but did, did the... Because they've got their investment and we've got ours, was, was, is there added pressure on us, on you as a, as, a, as a team and a group of players, to get up? Because next season's going to be, if Wrexham stay down, it's going to be even tougher, isn't it? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say there's, there's added pressure because everyone that's come here, and I've spoken to this for the players really, everyone's come here, has come here with the understanding of what's in front of them. There are some lads that we've got in our squad that have been here for a long time and have come on the journey for the Conference North and, and through that way. Um, but the majority they've been brought in have brought, been brought in with the aim of getting promoted. They're not just getting promoted one division, they know what Mark's ambition is. And in order to be part of that journey for a long time, then you have to improve, and I, I include me in that. Um, so I've managed 20 League Two games and got an okay record. I've not done it over an extended period. If I want to be a League One manager, then I've got to be a, a good, a really good League Two manager and give myself the chance to do that. That's exactly the same with the players. And if they're not part of our journey, if you like, we've got to make them the best players they can be because this shouldn't be the, as much as it's a great place to be and there's a real opportunity to move forward, um, 
this isn't the end goal. It's for them to play as high as they can. If they can play as high as they can and play as a championship player for Stockport County, that would be the ideal. Um, and we've got to give them every chance to do that. Yeah, and just going on to the National League North that you just mentioned, so there's four players that stand out. Well, there's four players, isn't there? Minion, Hinchley, uh, Keno and Palmer. Um, how do you do you feel they can step up to League Two and and will they get a chance in League Two? Yeah, they absolutely can step up. Um, I believe they've got to show it and we've got to show it. So, but it, that is and I've, these are the conversations I've had with the with the players over the last couple of days. Really, there's ninety percent of the squad that you can look at it and go. There's questions to be answered there, and like I say, I include staff in that. Um, so. We've all got to get better together. There are some that have played, like say, League One and League Two, for an extended period. So there maybe aren't many as many questions of them to, to answer. But with the four you mentioned and with the majority of the lads, we've all got it. We've all got to improve, and there will be there will be questions, which brings a little bit more a little bit more pressure. But I've no doubt they've, they've got the answers to them. You had the, uh, have you still got it, the long throw world record? We did a bit of research and it's some Danish bloke who coaches throw-ins for Liverpool, because that's a job now, apparently. Um, hey, don't knock it, I might, be, I might be looking for that one day. <laughs> well, is it true you did like a special challenge at Prenton Park for it? Yeah, so um, many, many moons ago this, um, I, think, I think 442 Magazine were doing, a, they were doing some... Um, links with different things it was it was the physio at the time at Tramway Les Parry so they were doing the fastest physio in the in the league or something they were doing so they were timing him timing him run out however however long he ran um so they then knew about me with a long throw so um said would you would you give it give it a go sort of thing um so one afternoon after we'd finished training did it I was probably there for I don't know half an hour 45 minutes um but got got the world record they got Guinness along, so I've got a, a certificate on my on my wall in my in my football room, um, and it's listen, it's something to be remembered for. I'm not sure it's the greatest thing to be remembered for, <laughs> but it's best to be remembered for something than nothing. And I'll I'll take I'll take that. Well, when I told my dad you'd got the job, he said, "Oh, what the bloke with the long throws?" So that's one. People are remembered for worse things. <laughs> Could be worse, but. I'd, obviously you did the special challenge and what have you because we've seen Ben Toza do with him at the race course and it was it was our undoing but he can't do him anywhere he's shit everywhere else I don't know. <laughs> yeah. so do you want to kind of go outside now and we'll throw a kettle over the pub <laughs> or something <laughs> and we'll give you another certificate I know yeah long throws they go, they go in and out of fashion don't they one thing for certain even in and we spoke about it in the in the game against Wrexham regardless of how they play, um, you know that you're going to have to defend at least a dozen of them a game. And if you don't, then they're really good at it. Especially with, with the likes of Palmer and Hayden, the people that are in there that are good there, really. They make it difficult for you. Um, so, again, each their own. We probably wish we had someone that could chuck it in there as, a, a, as an option. Although Miles had a, a Miles few goals. Go, they were terrible. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Like, what was he thinking? Um, yeah, but we probably need to work on that. <laughs> it's made me feel a whole lot better because the way some of our throw-ins are taken, I was, I was definitely underpaid. Definitely. <laughs> that's what, that's one of my pet hates in football. That like, when when a player takes ages to take a throw-in, and but you look at them and think, do, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> like, we're, we're not so bad with them. We, we tend to keep possession. With I think it's a hangover from the Jim Gannon era that we kind of always keep possession from throw-ins. <laughs> Sometimes I watch I watch Premier League games on telly. Have you done this before? I think in Premier League, the, the, the sort of unchallenged at our level, it's a little bit, um, a little bit more 
more difficult if you like, because people try to stop you. But um, if you look at the amount of throw-ins that happen in a game, it's ridiculous. The ball spends more time off the pitch than it does on the pitch. So if you're not very efficient at getting it back on and keeping it, then um, you're in for a long afternoon. Yeah. Um, I've worked out what pervert you are. Squad number pervert, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Well, because, you know, we've asked plenty of serious stuff. Squad numbers. I love squad numbers. When we got promoted back to this league, that was what me and Russ were most excited about. Well, you, I, you were. Well, you said on the podcast last night that you were as well. Well, this is it, Russ. You just agree with everything everyone else says, don't you? That, that's your problem, mate. So how much thought goes into... I appreciate no one gives a shit about this question, but I do. It's my, it's my show. So, how, how much thought goes into it when you're doing squad numbers? Do players actually come up to you whinging like they do on Football Manager? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so a lot of them will have... So even, even today, Lando, Lando's come in and said, we're looking at Kit coming back on start of, start of, start of June, whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. Squad numbers, I was like, can we not put initials? Because just to get out of the way to start with. But straight away he said... Will Collar wants to keep 14. Crosby said, can he have 8 or 18? So they'll, they'll all have um, sort of numbers that they'll associate with um, and want to keep, if you like, especially if they've had, had good seasons or and, and ditch them if they've had not so good seasons. But there will be, I suppose, some arguments when we start around who wants what number. Um, I'm not sure it makes a difference. It, it, when you used to play, you used to want to be either number 2 to 11 or you weren't playing. So... Whereas, whereas now it can be it can be anything. I suppose it's a little bit different. National League, I think you could only go up to 40, but you had to take the next number that was available. Um, the Football League, God knows. I get very triggered by Phil Foden and Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm just like, 66 and 47, what are you doing, lads? <laughs> Grow up. And they've, they've both become established now. It's okay when you're in the youth team. Like, get a, number two is free at Liverpool. Yeah. And I just think, what, what are you doing, Trent? W would you draw the line? Say if a player came up to you and said, I don't want 69, would you go, you're not having 69? You'd say, how, how old are you? Yeah, said, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> good, good, good. So dedicate it to the fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would say quick fire questions, but who's um, the best player you've ever played with? Oh, wow. Right, is it? Quick fire question. Well, not very quick fire. Could be no, all, all day. Um, fire, probably, um, probably time at time at Tranmere. Maybe um, Jason Kumas was was very good. And you thought he'd go on. I think even coming here, there were players that um, you judge it on when you played here with them or what they went on to achieve. I think because when I was here, Ash Williams here and Ricky yeah. Lambert were here and you look at what they went to achieve in the game was, was amazing. Played with some, played with some brilliant players. Um, fortunate to, to do so. Um, those three sort of stick out, if you like. So did you know when you played with Ash and, and Ricky Lambert, did you know that they could hit the heights that they did, especially with Ash Williams? Ash, Ash was, a, Ash was you sort of, I suppose, your typical um, non-league player, came in from Hensford, sort yeah. of taking a chance on. And went on to uh, have an unbelievable career. Still pops into to Carrington um, and see him again. I, I give him some sticks. He took my place and like I'm like. Um, but he was he was absolutely brilliant. Um, Ricky dropping down. Um, he again falls. I suppose falls into the category. Came into came into here and was a midfield player. And then got a move to I think Bristol Rovers. Yeah. Played him as a centre forward. Scored thirty goals in one season and never looked back. Uh, it just shows how quickly it can it can change. Yeah. What about played against because you did you play in the league cup final yeah so what about played against then yeah uh, played against is probably 
more, uh, not as difficult, but there are more names out yeah, there, if you like, because certainly with our runs, we had at Tranmere, played at Shearer on a couple of occasions, Duncan Ferguson many occasions, nice. Michael Owen, Andy Cole. Um, played in an era where reserve games were played at the, at the, at the ground, so Old Trafford, and we played in, in Roy Keane's comeback game. So there were some really, really good players, fortunate to play against Premier League players. Um, which I've got some shirts swapped in and around the, in around the um, my, I say pool room. There's a pool table in there, but it's it's just got all my shirts up. Really, it's a bit of a bar area, um, which are really good memories of, of some special times. Do you ever like take tips of playing against them and, and add that to your coaching and add that to your sort of coaching roster? Yeah, you'll take you'll take bits off off, off all uh, whether you played against them, um, with them, or or different bits off 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 managers. Um, I went back into Everton um, probably about just before I came here, so six, eight, seven, eight months ago, um, to do a um, with the LMA with, with Rafa um, and Duncan Ferguson was there, sort of thing. So even going back in there, you, you, you pick up different bits. I think what it, they're all, regardless, you see all these Premier League players and managers that are all big names. They're all just human beings. They're, they're really down to earth people. Duncan Ferguson, human being. Duncan's, yeah, Duncan's. Honestly, tell that to the burglar. Exactly, you wouldn't. But put him on a football pitch, and he he wants to win, and he wants to win more than anything. He'll do whatever it takes to win. Um, but away from it, as long as you can understand him, then um, great, great fella. He sounds very much like me. <laughs> I'm all, I'm all elbows on the football pitch, mate. Just all legs and elbows. No, just elbows. <laughs> I'm all I'm all out now. So the, the, we've kind of touched on it before when you're talking about the condition of players and stuff like that. But how does your physiotherapy help with that? Because obviously, you um, yeah, I, I did a um, I did a physio degree while I was still playing. For, for, my, for me, it was around staying in football. So. I loved the dressing room environment I was in and loved that winning and the emotion and uh, roller coaster involved in that. So I wanted to stay in football, so tried to get as many strings to my bow as possible. Got the opportunity to go into uh, Colwyn Bay, finished, fully finished up through it through injury. Um, played for a season part-time, so couldn't play full-time. That job became available and all of a sudden you got a manager's job. Um, so I've not really used my physio stuff in terms of professionally, um, but it's still there. It still gives me an insight into what players are going through, how I can help. Probably for the physios that have worked for me, it's the worst thing that can happen because the maybe a bit reserved on telling me to shut up and mind my own business, and I'll have a, a, some more knowledge than what maybe other people will have, but I'm more than happy to report my place. Um, she probably shouldn't be saying that on here, like, but I am more than happy to be, be put in a place there, far more um, experienced than what I am. But it does give me a, a bit of an understanding, because what you want to do is have, a, I suppose, an insight into all them aspects of the S&C type of stuff. Although I'm not a professional in it and I've not done a degree in it, I want to know as much as possible about it. I want to I use it to try and help me in terms of here and, and moving forward around how I go about my coaching and my management. So when a, when a player, if a player's coming back from injury, or he's got a slight niggle, and then tells you he's ready to play, can you tell when they're bullshitting? Um, can you tell when they're not actually ready and they just want to get in the team again? You, you can, you can to a certain degree. What we do, and again, we will 
regardless, we'll do, or have to go through lots of takeoff protocols, which will mean they can come back training. So they will have to cover a certain distance, they'll have to have cover a certain distance for high intensity running, they'll have to cover 90% or 95% of their top speed. We've got all that recorded. So unless they can tick those protocols off, then they won't be allowed back in. And then they'll do a return to play um, protocol, which will virtually be their max load in a training session. If they were fit, they wouldn't be able to produce produce that. So it, it, it's a little bit foolproof, um, as best as best it can be. Yeah, because the body doesn't lie effectively, does it? Mine does. The mind does. Yeah, the, and, and listen, we've had without naming names, we've had an incident this year where, where um, a, a player came back was massively massive. Away days with County are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at Edgeley Park. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. motivated to come back. Ticked boxes in terms of um, all those things. Played a game felt something and didn't want to admit that he was feeling something and we could tell he wasn't right um, and then missed some more time came back and we go he's a different player he's the player that we thought he was um, and that for him i get it but it'll be a, a learning experience that you're only best putting yourself out there if you're a hundred percent because you're only going to do yourself damage and you're only going to do yourself uh, misjustice in the fact that you can't perform to your best. Um, there will be occasions where, and if players come to us and, and say that I'm feeling this or but I want to do that, then we have to make decisions. There'll be some instances with um, the last game. If if Sunday was a playoff final, there was nothing after it. There have been players who potentially we could have risked, we could have put in there to play. Um, knowing that potentially they won't train for a, a week or a few days a afterwards. Um, not at the risk of damaging them to any, any degree, but the touch and go as to whether you play them or not. Yeah, and if you had a, a, a squad that wasn't as deep as ours, then you'd, you'd have to risk them as well, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're, that's why we, we did it with the, with the deadline. We, we tried to bring in players that would cover all eventualities for us. We were lucky, touch wood, that we didn't have um, serious injuries. We had Maka, um, who'd missed out, who had a slight, um, a slight sort of setback. Um, but the plan for Maka was to train the the day before the last game, of the last game of the season, with an eye on playing the playoffs if they were if they were needed. Um, that didn't happen, thankfully. So now we can we can come off him a little bit, make sure he's absolutely banged on, get him a, a pre-season, and, and by the first game of the season he'll be. Back to his best, hopefully. Yeah, more to go. I think everyone stopped listening five minutes ago because I can see the cogs working. Everyone's trying to work out who that player was. Is it he? So that's narrowed it down. 
Right, should we have a break? Yeah, should we have a, have a quick break? Yeah, we'll have, uh, we'll have a 15 minute break. We'll oh, do the okay. raffle for the free beer. Um, but yeah, is there anything you want to say before the break? Yeah, what, is, it, is, it, is there anything that no one's asked you about the last few weeks that you, you've been dying to say? Um, I don't think so. I think everyone's asked me, asked me <laughs> just about just about everything. Well, you've got and I do write, I do rattle on a little bit about answers. So yeah, I think everyone's asked, asked most things. Okay, great. Round of applause for Dave, uh, and we'll come back soon. This is the Scarf Bagara War, a Stockport County fan-created podcast, blog, YouTube live show, and website. Find us at thescarfbagarawar.co.uk. For county fans, by county fans. Right, if anyone has seen me do one of these before, you will know that I would talk at least until this time next week about each individual shirt, but I've been limited to about 20 minutes. So we'll make a start. What we've got is a selection of shirts from Dave's playing time with us, and then a couple from this season's, um, which we'll get to to tell the stories on. So without further ado, Dave, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Excellent. Let's go back to when you joined the club. 2001-2002 season, not a vintage season for County, and you make your debut for us away at Crystal Palace. Um, we lose 1-0, halfway through a 10-game losing run. That wasn't a bad result, 1-0, I've got to be honest. <laughs> what are your memories of that day, and any memories of this shirt in particular? This is the shirt that you wore on your debut at Sellers yeah, Park. Yeah, um, it, it was a strange, strange season, like I said, because um, probably memories of the day, not so much, but uh, memories of coming into the football club um, I essentially came in in the January when we got relegated I think in the February and with the lowest points total ever I hope it's been beaten since but I'm not sure it has been um, and we were almost brought in with next season in mind so the end of that season was a, a really young group um, going into some really tough games against difficult teams having lost a whole load of them with not great confidence so um, that, that season was more, um, more a case of getting out of the way really and trying to look forward to the, to the following one. Um, thankfully we had some memorable games at the back end of it a little bit um, which gave a little bit of hope back if you like and certainly for some young lads there'll be memories they, they, they remember for, for lives but we were a young team competing in the championship which was a brutal league. I was sort of brought in with a little bit of experience but when you look around us we had a, a group of 19, 20, 21 year olds that hadn't played league football before and were thrown in right at the deep end. They were um, and you're right it was post-war low points total um, I think we finished on 26 but Going to memorable games at the end of that season, 20 years ago, unbelievably, in March, champions-elect Man City come to Edgeley Park. They need a win to win the league. We're already down. Five minutes to go, City are a goal up. Unfortunately, it's not John Hardiker's shirt from the night. John does get two goals for us. Did you see that coming, or did you ever think that we could get a result here tonight, honestly? We, we go into that game... Um we man-marked Ali Benabia and, and the, 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 probably the, the biggest memory before that game was that in the dressing room, um, I'm not sure who was man-marking him, but um, Carlton couldn't say his name properly, it was Alan Bernard and on and on and on. So we, we were like, huh? So we ended up man-marking him and we knew they were coming with a big portion of the ground filled with their supporters, like you say, um, champions-elect, I've, I've watched the the game back and the highlights back again filled with I think 
was like Stuart Pearce was maybe the captain mm -hmm. on the night, filled with all, all sorts of names. And we were in the game. We were in the game at 45 minutes. We were, we were in the game at sort of 70 minutes. Um, and then I suppose at that point you do sort of dare to dream a little bit. We get one goal, the place absolutely erupts. And then John, as I said, in that season, he came in from, um, from sort of non-league. And that was the start of his career, but that, that'll be the, ultimately the highlight of, of his career, a, a day he'll remember for the rest of his life. A day that certainly for Stockport fans, regardless of that season, remember for the rest of their lives, because you up where Man City are now and, and, and where, where we are, sort of poles apart. At that point, we were, I suppose, on a levelish playing field. It wasn't the greatest of pitches, um, but we managed to, to get a, 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 a sort of memorable win out of it. We did, um, Ian, just for any City fans who were listening, of course, we played you six times, beat you four times. So it wasn't a one-off, and we did spend we did spend a year in the league above City in '98, '99. Um, but we won't dwell on that too much. Um, so you talked about that season being a bit of a transition. Players, you know, like um, like Mike Flynn, Colin Woodthorpe is another one who'd been county for a few years. He moved on, um, and the, you know a lot of the kids were coming through. Andy Welsh was probably one of the standout players. Keith Briggs was another. Um, ultimately, we go down. We're in um, what was still, I think, called the second division or division two at that time. Um, and we start off under Carlton Palmer in that league. It's ultimately a pretty forgettable season, fairly inconsistent. We flirt with the playoffs without really doing too much. Um, that's Carlton Palmer's shirt from that season. But the, and that's also your away shirt from that season. Um, you get your only goal for County. Do you remember that? Um. I want to say Luton away. Luton away, last away game, one all draw. One one draw. Yeah, I only know because um, Kate was, uh, my wife was, was pregnant with our first child, um, and she was stood sat with Aaron Lescott's dad, um, and Aaron Lescott's dad lifted her above his head when we when we equalised, and it was close to. I think it was right near the end of the game. Um, right so I, the yeah, runs. I do yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. And that season, um, like I say, we finished kind of mid-table, didn't really do a lot, but Luke Beckett was on fire that season. He got, I think, 30-odd goals. And you think, where would we have been possibly without Luke Beckett that season? How good was he as a striker? Luke was, Luke was brilliant. Um, so he was a, a roommate of mine, um, got on really well, with, really well with Luke. He had the, that season, again, without knowing, if you look back, the amount of games that finished 2-1 and, and Luke scored the first goal. Um, if you're a betting person, you'd have absolutely cleaned up. Um, he was a brilliant finisher. Um, you look at what he did. A lot of the times you look at it and go, that's, that's lucky. He used to put the ball through goalkeeper's legs. I've, I've lost how many times, but it was, it was, it was meant. Um, he, was a, he was a great finisher and, and went on to like, have, a, have, a, have a really good career. He was massive for us, massive yeah. for us at that time. No, he really was. And ultimately, the start of the next season, um, he does his cruise shirts and he misses the majority of 03 04. So moving into that season, that is, that is Luke's shirt from 03 04, his home one. And the away shirt is that's Carlton Palmer's away shirt. Ultimately, Carlton only lasts about six weeks into the new campaign. Um, did you see that coming, that Carlton was going to lose his job? It was a poor start to the season, um, mainly draws rather than losses. But, yeah, did you see that change coming? And what was the mood like when he left and Sammy came in? Yeah, it, it was tough because it was, um, it was a, I suppose, a really transitional time for the football club. And I, and I think once we drop out of the championship, 
they're there and it's the expectation in their next couple of years to get back in the Championship as quickly as possible and things didn't materialise that way so it is again as, as it is now it's a results business and if you don't get results then ultimately the, the, the sword falls on the, on the manager so I, I don't think you see it coming uh, especially as early as it did um, but a change was made obviously then a new manager comes in and um, there are different ideas in terms of where, where things where things go. I think from from my side of things, managers normally want to bring in the, their own players. Um, when Sammy came into the club, I almost straight away knew that my sort of, uh, although I still had a contract there, that my days were, were sort of numbered type thing. Um, and I was always one of them people that didn't want to hang around, just collecting money. I wanted, I wanted to play football. Um, so it wasn't long from him being in that I went out on, on loan to, to Bury and eventually moved, eventually moved there. Yeah, so Sammy's first game was, was the October, I think we drew in Notts County at Edgeley Park. Um, not long after that, we have a FA Cup horror show, first round, we go out to non-league. Stevenage? Stevenage, we lose 2-1 down there. Um, and then your final game for County is away at Port Vale just after Christmas, we lose 2-2. So. If you, you know, if you look at your appearances after Sammy came in, you appear less and less frequently. Um, so, how did Berry come about? Was that something you pursued? Did they come in for you? No, they, they, they came in for me. Um, Graham Barrow was the, was the manager there, um, and I, I, knew, I knew Graham. Um, ultimately, for them, they were in a, in a similar situation, had some, some younger players. And for me, especially at that, that time, it was about playing. I needed to, I wanted to play football. I wasn't one of them people that wanted to, to sort of sit around if there wasn't going to be an opportunity there for I me. Mean, I didn't feel there was the, the opportunity regardless of, of what happened. So um, I went and played played football there till the, the end of that season. I still had um, another year contract at, at Stockport, but like I say, it, it wasn't about that for me. It wasn't about money, it was about playing football. Um, so I enjoyed my time there and, 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 and moved on. Um, and then spent the next oh, six six years, five yeah. years, so at Berry. Yeah. I mentioned one pretty unpopular um, sporting establishment a, mo a moment ago, Manchester City. Around this time, there was another one hovering in the background at Stockport County in Edgeley Park, and that was Sale Sharks. Um, Brian Kennedy, Niels DeVos, and the rest of his cronies. How much of an effect did they have on County? Because they came in with huge promises Pretty much instantly, the ground and the club were separated. It became a rugby ground. Um, admittedly, after you left, you know, the likes of um, Ricky Lambert, Andy Welsh, Mark Bridge Wilkinson, that whole raft of players were sold off seemingly for peanuts. Did any of that interfere with County at the time you were there, or was it a separate backroom club management thing to worry about? Yeah, I wouldn't say it interfered, um, but we were very aware of it. So there were changes that went on in the behind the scenes in terms of at the ground, in terms of the changing rooms, in terms of all that type of things. I think we, at the time, they were a, in rugby terms, a big club. They had Jason yeah. Robinson, they had some big, yeah, big, big hitters. So you could tell straight away that they were overtaking the football, the football club. Although Sale, like I say, came in with um, promises of we're doing it for this to get a bigger crowd and all that. You could take, you, you could see we were getting pushed, pushed out if you like. That's not an excuse, um, but I suppose when you've got a young group, that can have more impact than what you potentially, potentially see. From a football perspective, you try and stay out of it as much as possible. But certainly there was a, a good understanding of this. 
this didn't look didn't look great in terms of where the football club was going. Okay. So as we touched on, you leave County um, start of two thousand and four. Seventeen years late. Well, in the interim, seventeen years. You go to you go to Bury, you go to Colwyn Bay, Fylde. You have, you know huge success at Fylde. Um, we play you, you know, a fair bit in the Conference North. Danny Rowe scores a thousand goals a season for you. It was a bit of rivalry. Those trophy games were, you know, really good spectacles. You go to Hartlepool, get one over us on us again, and then in November last year, you find yourself at County. You know, Nick and Russ have touched upon um, what the club was like at the time, what you had to do to pick it up. But just before I finish, let's talk about the Bolton games. Um, probably the most famous game of our season, arguably. And one of the standout moments from that game was Ollie Crankshaw getting the fifth. Um, what was that game like? You know, we're two down after four minutes. That's not the plan, is it? No, absolutely not the plan. Um, listen, I think that game, and I spoke about it before, about reinforcement of doing things that are right. I think when you come into a new club, you you want to see what the players have got um, and that game showed me exactly what the players have got because they could have gone under mm. they could have gone under um, goals come at I suppose poor times in terms of the ones you can see then you get one back and think we're back in it and then we can see another poor goal and the manner of the goals even more so are ones where you go oh no that's gonna that's gonna hurt that's gonna sting for the players that are involved in them the goal just before half time gives us a chance and, 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 and probably sends us into the break in a in a in a lot better mindset. But the second half was was unbelievable. The performance that they put in, in the second half was was amazing. And from a neutral, if you're watching that football match, that had absolutely everything. Um, forget, like say, who you support, um, for an FA Cup tie to have that drama within it and go to extra time and all, and all those all those things um, was was massive and massively important when you look back on it now in terms of going into the club and inheriting a, a group of players for them to go and have that and give them that boost so early yep. into me being there I think has played a huge part in where we are now. Absolutely and it did the same for the fans that you know we don't want to dwell too much on what came before but under Rusk at the start of the season, it was so flat. Um, a lot of the enjoyment had gone and it became a bit of a chore. And it seemed to, overnight, with the Bolton away game, we got a lot of that back. Um, with the Bolton home game, it was like the previous, you know, we'd been away for COVID for over a year, like it never happened. And it felt like County were back. Um, particularly Ash Palmer's goal, the third one. I say that I've been going County 29 years. That's in my top three goals of all time for the moment. What's been your favourite county goal? Um, other than maybe two on Saturday, which, on Sunday, which got us up. Um, what were your favourite goal or favourite county goals since you've been as manager? Um, favourite one's a tough one. I got asked this question the other day. I suppose significant ones that you look at um, maybe over... Because we've scored some brilliant goals and you can reflect on Will's 25-yard at Olsingham where you're going... Um, but there are some big ones. I think early in my reign here, you look at the Bolton game, but a league game. Paddy's goal at Solihull, um, winning one nil away, was a big goal. Um, the home game against against Woking, another one of Ash's Ash's headers, um, where we're down to ten men. The game's nil nil. We make we bring I think Ollie and Noobs on and go really positive, and we, we win that game one nil. And then. Um, and there was a funny bounce on Ash's goal, to be fair. I think the, the Woking guy, uh, Casey, could have cleared it off the line. And then there was another funny bounce with Paddy's goal at Solihull at home in the last minute. Um, so With the beaver. Yeah, the so they're, they're the ones that probably jump out, as in 
important goals at important times that get us 1-0 wins and then 1-0 wins over the course of a season are or seem to be the important ones that allow us to go into the last two games able to um, get four points to, to, to get promoted, if you like. Yeah. I, I always ask uh, players or managers um, this kind of question. that Throughout the Football League for 11 years, we've had a pretty dismal 11 years in those time. And to be honest, the majority of the 20 years prior to that was pretty dismal as well. Do you appreciate that? You know, you've been a player. Do you appreciate the kind of the weight of the importance of what it means to the fans and the town and how do, and what it means in our lives? And how do you get that across to the players, just how important Stockport County getting back in the Football League is? I do appreciate it and I think I appreciate it more through spending my time at Hartlepool because Hartlepool is as what Stockport is, the, the, the football club is the town, it's in the centre of the town and people's lives are dictated through how they live their week is dependent on what happens on a Saturday. Um, and that's exactly the same here. This is just a bigger version in terms of uh, in terms of a town with the amount of people here. So the impact it had on people's lives was probably opened up to me when I was when I was there. When I came here, that's why I spoke about um, this. Is like I say, is people's clubs, is people's livelihood, is, is everything. It belongs to the the community. They play a big part in that. And if we can get the three hundred thousand people in. Stockport, all pulling in the same direction for their football team and football club. When you've got an owner that actively wants to get it up the pyramid and make it successful, then I think you have a, a real, a real good chance. And I completely understand what it, what it, what it does and what it, what it means. Nowhere near as much as what you guys do. Um, so for us, it's great that we can play a part in that and bring back that little bit of belief and a little bit of optimism and don't get me wrong there'll be, there'll be bumps along the way um, there'll be nerves along the way there'll be adversity along the way but I think we're on to something really really special um, and that will be from my side of it and the player side of it that's a, a huge privilege to, to be involved in it yeah. no, Fantastic um, Stockport County are 140 years old next year um, in that time we've only ever won five league titles we've had five managers Bob Kelly Bob Lacklin Jimmy Meadows, Jim Gannon, and we've now got Dave Challoner as the man who took us back to the Football League and gave us our fifth ever league title. And I think for everyone in Stockport, thanks very much, Dave. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. This is the Scarf Bagara War, a Stockport County fan-created podcast, blog, YouTube live show and website. Find us at thescarfbagarawar.co.uk. For county fans, by county fans. Uh, questions from the audience, but I've got to say, either I repeat the question or you come up and ask it yourself. It's up to you. Do you want to come up? The one thing is not a question, it's a statement. Thank you very, very much for what you've done <laughs> to the club, and I hope you're going to stay with us for a long time. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> It might be my choice, though. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Anybody else? I've got a question for that we've not already asked Charlie. Come on. I've got a question for you. Don't be asked, though. No, it's this. Anybody? No? We'll just let Charlie go then if, if no one's got a question. Come on, you must have a question. Come over. What's his opinion on the 
What's your opinion on Macaulay South for males? Lap dancing skills. Or oh, yeah, lap dancing skills. Or... <laughs> Macca, yeah. Macca, as a real child, Macca at Hartlepool. Um, I, I made no secret of the fact that we wanted to take him and he, he, he chose to, to come here. Um, so, and there was a few like that, to be fair. So whether they were a bit scared when I came in and thought I was going to um, get my own back on them, I'm not too sure. Macca's um, perfect for what... I want full-backs or wing-backs to be in terms of really high intensity, really aggressive, gets forward, delivers the ball with real quality. Him and Ryan, uh, Ryan Rydell, um, were, although, like I say, the midfield three were massively important, they were the, the big creator of all our, all our goals. We'll cross the ball an awful lot. And again, it, it probably got lost a little bit that our, not, not, not drop-off, but we were scoring um, really, really frequently and winning games comfortably, scoring lots of goals. We then lost both of them to injury at an important time and, um, and it changed the dynamic in our, in our team. But Macca can play in League 2 easy, he can play in League 1 easy, he can go and achieve whatever he wants if we can keep him, keep him fit and keep him on the pitch. Nice, that's encouraging, isn't it? Bobby, come on. You have to use one of these, don't you? One, two. <laughs> yeah. um, what is, um, maybe as a player or a manager, what's the most intense atmosphere you've ever played or managed in as a ground? What was the most mental atmosphere? Tough, tough one. Um, I've, I say, I've played in some some big games with um, big, uh, big meaning. It, it, it's strange. You've gone from as a player playing in. Big games with big crowds, and and played at St James's Park in FA Cup in front of 50,000 at Newcastle. Um, it's weird. You then go polar opposite. We, we've gone as football people from playing in front of that to playing in front of no one. Um, I think just to have crowds back in the back in the ground has been has been massive. Um, in terms of types of games, probably looking back, um, crowds coming back in and what was on the game, um, the Hartlepool playoff promotion final um, at Bristol, it, there was, I think there was only 7,000 in that, that ground, but with having supporters back for the first time or one of the first times, to be able to go there, the atmosphere in there was, was ridiculous um, and the way the game went, that was another one similar to the Bolton game, had everything, but I think you look at what you guys have created in the past four or five months. We we look back on it, um, mentioned it today, funny enough, in our past probably four games, the players have played in front of 40,000 people in total. That, for some of the young ones, is, is, is a massive, massive learning experience. They've played in some atmospheres that I don't see it gets any better than what it was, what it was Saturday. To be able to almost play in a game and almost enjoy the last... 15, 20 minutes, knowing you're going to win a league title is something that may never happen to them again in their, in their lives. So, um, like I say, it's been, it's been brilliant. And we know what the, especially the, the evening fixtures allegedly uh, have been like. I think the Bolton one was, was special. It's, it's, it's more special when you've got a, 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 an away crowd in. You've got that, that, ban that banter between people. Go back to the, the Chesterfield game was similar. When that away ends full, and people are bouncing off each other. It's a, it's a, it's a great place to play. I remember us um, losing to Brackley 1-0, and they had seven away fans. <laughs> yeah. And they were conga-lining along the railway. 
Yeah. That was a low one. And then you go to the games like, yeah, that was bad, that. And then games like Bolton and Chesterfield, it, I absolutely agree. Seeing the OAM full, already I'm, I'm more excited about the game. Yeah, just to go off on a little tangent, because it wouldn't be this show if I didn't. <laughs> um, I've been using my investigative skills. Burnley scored on there, and there was a chair at the front of the pub. So if you are keeping on your valuables. <laughs> I like it. Anyone else want to ask and chat a question? Yeah, mate. Just one. You know, you get fringe players like Alex Reid will use as an example. Uh, he don't play much, but does he have much of an effect on the dressing room and, you know, motivating players and all that? And other players like him that maybe don't get as much play time, but do they have that effect on the dressing room that's positive? Yeah, every, everyone, and this is where it works with the, game, the way the game is now, everyone has a, a, an impact. Some will feel they have a bigger impact than others, but everyone has an impact. So whether that's on a Saturday or Tuesday, a Monday to Friday at Carrington, um, what they all have to do, it, it, we have to try and manage the players that aren't playing because they all want to play, they all back themselves to play. Unfortunately, on a Saturday, we can pick 11 and five subs. Fortunately, now we can pick seven subs, which helps it, makes it a little bit easier. Um, but everyone's, everyone's important. Everyone will play their part to different, different degrees. That's a, like I said, that's a really good, a good group. Um, unfortunately, at the end of the season, a group has to evolve and there are some move away through our choice, there are some move away through choices of their own and there are other players come in. What we have to do is make sure that that group's as strong in terms of morale, in terms of spirit as it was this year because that's something that we, we, we pride ourselves on, uh, the players taking the lead in that to be fair. You mentioned the 18-man um, squad in League 2, what, what's it like with registration for League 2? Because it's not something with a certain number of over 21 players? Yeah, so you can, uh, we, we, we're checking, but going off last year, whether it was just, there's a, you, you name 25 players on your, on your squad list. Um, a certain amount have to be homegrown, which means they've been through an academy system in, in England, so not particularly with, with us. Um, if you have a, a club developed player, you can then have the extra sub. So we're, we're hoping that from our perspective that Cody's the, the club developed player, because he's been with us more than, more than 12 months. Um, out of that 25-man squad, under-21s don't count. Um, so within that, at the moment, we've, we've Cody, we've Ryan Rydell and we've Ethan, Ethan Pye. Um, and goalkeepers aren't included. So the, in the grand scheme of things, your squad can be um, as big as you want, but 25 that are over 21 and not goalkeepers. It's really encouraging that we'll see, that we'll see yeah, a bit of Cody as well. It's alarming how much love I've got for a 17-year-old lad. It's really, 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 really good. I, I, I saw him at Wrexham and he, he walked past me and it just made me feel even worse about what I look like. <laughs> He's done. He's done brilliant. Um, he's got a really good uh, background with his, his family. Really supportive. He's made the the leap to um, come out of his his his, his college program and be, and be full time with us. So he'll spend pre season with us. Um, we hope that potentially we get involved in some Papa John's games potentially at the start of the season. We'll review where he's at and make a decision probably around January, whether he can go and get some games or whether he can impact, impact us. But um, there's really, really positive signs. He's fitted into the group really well um, and, and is really well liked. The Papa John's is the auto glass for anyone else who's <laughs> yeah. still living in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, yeah, sorry. Have you had any contact with any new players or anything? Yeah, I know it's a bit early. So well, league, the 19 we've been linked on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. we're getting a bit giddy out of all no, the people we're seeing. We, are, we have, there's been a, there's been the, the, the positive that's here with the infrastructure in place is that's an ongoing thing. So there were players that we were interested in in, in January. We were interested in players coming up to the deadline. Um, lots of our stuff, you have to make different plans based on the league you're going to be in. Um, but we, we, will, we will strengthen. Um, like I said, the, the squad is a strong squad and in my opinion can compete in League Two. But from our side of things, we want to really carry momentum forward and... Um, and look to bounce, bounce through through this division. And if we can strengthen, then, then we, we will do that. Um, so there's lots of contact. The, the, the big thing, especially with um, with this club, is getting the right players here for the right reason. Um, and a lot of that is filtering out the ones that aren't going to improve us. They need to improve us, and they don't just need to improve us in terms of on the pitch. They need to improve us off the pitch in terms of what I said previously about the dressing room. Great stuff. Yeah. If you were to stay at Hartlepool, do you reckon they'd have been so far down at the table that they wouldn't have been? Um, it's easy to say yes, isn't it? Or no, uh, to suit myself. We we were in a position where it was it was unique. So we finished that that promotion final on the twentieth of June. Um, the players had played all the way through. We had to give them ten days off, and we started a pre-season. And they had a four-week pre-season, and we had to organise on the back of not having any games arranged going into a football league campaign. So to be 10th was a brilliant effort, a brilliant effort. Um, I probably knew, and it, no surprise, that those, a lot of those players were the, were the same squad. We lost players, we lost our two centre-forwards who'd scored close to 40 goals who were a huge threat. So that we weren't as strong as what we were the previous season. But them lads have been going for close to, close to 24 months in terms of playing football so there was always going to be a fatigue element um, and I think injuries didn't help what was a small squad and ultimately they dropped down the table but before the season started as much as they'll have wanted to push on from the position they were in staying up in that first year was always going to be success because of like you say such a late finish and such an early start and us not having a, a squad in a squad in place um, so I think it was inevitable without it um, but we'd obviously done everything we can, and I think for for them staying up um, was the ultimate aim, and, and they achieved that. Nice one, cheers. Anybody else? Oh, I know. So when you come in, you talked about how players were the priority. When did the staff and the players start to talk about the fact that we we could actually win the league? <laughs> we didn't we didn't see the playoffs as a, as a as a, a priority. We felt that. Without we weren't we didn't certainly go to the playoffs. Oh, oh, we we just want to get in the playoffs. I think you look at things and think, look where we are. Look at what we need to do. Fundamentally, we need to win win football matches. I don't think anyone ever envisaged we'd win 20 out of 21. Um, you look at over the course of 44 games, we we drew four games. That's like ridiculous. We no, we probably lost too many. I think we we lost 10, which is probably more than what teams have done over the last last few years. We There's a, a plan set in place at the start of the season which was based on 92 points. As it worked out, 92 points were the one of the league, but it was 27 wins, um, I think, 10 draws and 7 losses. Well, we had too many losses, if you like, but the amount of draws that we, or f very few draws that we got meant we won 30 games. 
30 games is a ridiculous amount of games to win out of out of 44. So once we put that run together, all of a sudden we just started picking teams off. And when teams had games in hand, if you like, so there's one point where Borough and Ward, I think we were in front of them, but they had five games in hand. They're always going to catch up. And when you get towards the back end of the season, games become more difficult to win. Um, it got to a point where you're almost looking at it and thinking, well, it could happen then, it could happen then. It's never that easy. It's never that easy. We had to try and detract from players almost thinking like that. Um, but we knew there was a, a definitive amount. There was a target there that was on the board. We were almost working backwards from that target, really, in terms of goals scored, we overachieved. Goals conceded, we overachieved. Goal difference, we'd put plus 38. We ended up plus 49. Um, clean sheets, we'd looked at 18. We got 23. So all the box were ticked, didn't ultimately that, that, that meant success. Any more for any more before we wrap up and let Charlie go? Yeah, 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 of course. Okay, so we, we used to be you kind of doing all the footballing decisions and making uh, all those choices, and you talked about the squad and changing the squad and the shape of it and everything. Mindful of the kind of retained list and all that kind of stuff. It's also about dealing with people and people's lives and all those kind of things. How do you find the people management of it, it kind of in contrast to the football tactics type decisions and things? got a lot better at it um, I, I think it, listen it, it's the it's the modern it's the modern game football's changed I I grew up in a changing room where it was it was brutal absolutely brutal and I my first first club at Tranmere was full of experienced players and football was completely different then but it made me what I am in terms of character resilience all them things and I, and I think I still think there's a I still think there's a place for that because I think without it sounding too much for the younger people in here. People are mollycoddled and, and it comes a little bit a little bit too easy. Um, but management of players who are very different is, um, is, is, is a challenge. You need to understand the individual and we get try and get across to the players that are on the pitch, the experienced ones. You need to understand which ones can take a bit of a bollocking and which ones you have to sort of try and encourage. Because ultimately, you get the best out of them and you benefit. So there's 11 players on the pitch that if we get the best out of all of them, we give ourselves a really good chance. That's the responsibility of the people on the pitch as well. Um, but I, I think what you've got to do is earn, earn respect, earn trust, know that people can ask you questions. People go through different things on a football pitch, but most of the stuff's spent away from the football pitch you know, and away from that. And what goes on in there private lives and how they are within themselves is, is, is a massive, massive part of it. We're helped by the fact that I've got a really good staff um, and ultimately a really good group of players that look after each other and want the best for each other. So if there's anything going on, we know that we can, we can get through it together. But back to you, it is the most important part of management in, in the current, current climate and the current game. Good stuff, good stuff. Anybody else before we wrap up? Okay. I haven't got like a rousing speech that gets a round of applause at the end. Where's Ben? Ben can do that. Where is he? No? Oh, do you want to come and do a rousing speech? No, go on then, Nick, you do it. <laughs> thank you so much to everyone for coming tonight. Thank you to the people at King's Tap. Thank you to the Fan Hub guys. If you're not on Fan Hub, then what have you been doing here for the last two hours? Russ is quite high up in Fan Hub. Quite high up. That's what I tell people. No. When, when, <laughs> yeah. when they go, why are you always on about Fan Hub? I say, Russ is quite high up. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a list of people to thank anyway. If we could get the people up on stage who've helped us make this night. So, Penno, give it up for Penno. Up we get. Come on. Come on, go.
Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> 